This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. On New York's news and talk station, 77 WABC. All right, Rich. Finally, you're in the groove. Anyway, uh, I just returned from your old neighborhood where you were born and raised, your hood. Lots of salutations and greetings for you in Park Slope and Prospect Park, uh, as well as for my old partner from the old WABC days, Ron Kuby. I thought, I thought it was in a different world. Yeah, Park Slope. You know, like I don't. Sixth Street, Eighth in the Park. Mort still lives there. Brand lives not far away. I mean, uh, went to PS Thirty Nine on Eighth Street, Eighth Street and Sixth Avenue. Eighth Street, yeah, Eighth Street and Sixth Avenue in Junior High School Fifty One. William Alexander. I have no idea who William Alexander was. So what was it like there in Park Slope? Oh, first of all, it was gorgeous. I love Prospect Park. That's yes, my favorite it's park. It's like being in a forest. And today was tree day where groups were roaming around looking at the trees, which I'm into. I love climbing trees. So my wife thinks, wow, you're really into climbing trees, aren't you? I said, I love it. I've climbed trees all over the world. And we were there specifically uh, to try to fill the void because the community had a tragedy occur when a woman named Jessica was walking her Irish terrier in the morning. A lot of dog walking there, six to nine before people go to work. And an emotionally disturbed man came out of the woods, tried to attack Jessica with a staff. Uh, Moose, the Irish terrier, stood his ground but got hit repeatedly. A week later, died of his injuries. And a lot of people were afraid to go in the park, especially in the morning. They tried to start a community patrol. Police uh, basically dropped the ball. The local uh, city council person, a lot different than you, said, don't call the police. Don't ever have anything uh, to do with the police. And so now there was nothing. So today we began our first patrol. And I got to tell you something. It was not political. People understood. We're there for the women. We're there for the dogs. When you're there for the animals. Yeah, Boy, all of a yeah. sudden, people, they're not looking at your politics. Yep, yep. People are very friendly. Hey, give my best to Anthony. Be listening to you this afternoon. Hey, what happened to that Ron Kuby, whose mom used to come? I said, Boy, I know what neighborhood I'm in now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what is this? Give us a little bit of background. There was some controversy around this because in this very progressive neighborhood, they were, like, calling for the police to really crack down. And then there were other voices, more what we might call here on ABC, more woke voices who were saying, no, don't get the police involved. This is a mental health issue. And that kind of this, it was kind of progressive on progressive, you know, combat with this poor woman and her dead dog at the middle of this issue. Is that what wound up happening? I never saw so many articles written about one issue like this. Okay, the dog died defending the woman who raised him, Jessica. Just this past week, uh, she brought him upstate New York to where she was born and raised him, buried him there. I mean, it's a family member. And the community at first was very supportive of Jessica. She wanted justice. She said, we got to find this guy. we got to get him out of the park. He's done this before. And that worked well because they're not, look, they're not, it's not a law and order area. You know that. They they didn't want to bring the guy out in chains and shackles. They wanted him to get mental health. But then another group came along and said, no, 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 no. Why are you getting the police involved? Why are you getting the parks department involved? They're just going to incarcerate this guy. Look, uh, the guy has mental health issues. Uh, He should be dealt with by mental health uh, uh, aficionados. And they all tried their own remedies. The cops put out the flyers. They weren't getting any feedback. People said, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to rat this guy out. They started tearing down the flyers. Then there was a lot of arguments on the local blogs. You know how people right, right. Are, are involved. They had Park Slope 
They read box tops. They read the letters to the editor of the, the New York they, Times and argue over them. The name of the local community blog in that neighborhood is the New York Times. Yes. That's, that's how they that, – that's sort of been like nine stories about this in the New York Times. Well-read, literate, they're interested. Look, the politics I don't share, but I love the discussions because you can't bamboozle them. They're going to pin you down. That's exactly right. And they're active. They're civically involved. So it tore the community apart. And what happened is the city councilwoman just abandoned ship. She said, no, we're not, get, we're not getting involved. You want to get the police involved. The police spent one month looking for the individual, as of this week, decided to drop it. Uh, then uh, the community patrol that was supposed to start, without any help from us, called the Park Slope Panthers. There were so many arguments about what to call it, how to do it, <laughs> what to wear, what not to be like. Uh, they dropped that. And so we came in and filled the void. And people were happy. They said, what are you here for? You know, right away, you think it's the worst. Right. No, no, we're just here to protect the women walking the dogs in the morning so that the dog and the woman can get a good walk without feeling they're going to be preyed upon or attacked. And if we come across the guy or guys, we know how to deal with emotionally disturbed persons, homeless people. We'll take them out of the park. We'll get them health care. We'll get an ambulance there. This is what we do all the time. You know, time. putting aside... But it's either people who are professional ideologues. Progressives don't like crime either. No. Uh, and people, you know, it's this whole, you know, how you pursue it and how you regulate the police and whatever. But, you know, they want their streets to be safe. And I remember growing up there in the 70s and, you know, when it was a very different time and Park Slope was a very different community. Um, community patrols were much more of a thing. Yes. It was, you know, that was a regular kind of block associations would have their own things and everything else. And so I think it's a, it's a good community building type of thing, but it is, look, I, we have talked about this more times than you can imagine on this show, this problem of the mentally ill who are mostly not violent as a group, they're not, they're probably less violent than the population as a whole, but there is a certain a certain almost um, 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 a certain kind of, uh, of of ephemeral nature to the to the, this. It all kind of flashes up suddenly, and you have these these cases where mental people just snap. And we and I see them in my neighborhood. We're seeing you see them in Park Slope. I don't believe that you can now. If the police are getting the message, and you know the seventy eight is not exactly where you go if you're an officer, you want to have a lot of action. No, um, you you're you know and. You probably deal with probably busier community meetings there just because, like you said, people like to go to meetings. But all of that being said, this is an interesting dichotomy that's emerging in the, among the left. We, you know, the left is saying, hey, we want our city to be livable. I don't want to be a victim of crime. I don't want to have my car window, my car window broken. I don't want to be a victim when I'm walking the dog. And I'm glad you guys are going in there. Um, I'm sure. Well, it, I know. will tell you, the helping uh, act is that my wife is leading the effort, Nancy who lived in nearby Sunset Park, who spent all of her time in the northern part of Prospect Park. It is so gorgeous, I'm telling you. I remember my younger days. I would go down to the lake. I would ice skate on those days where you could ice skate, where it wasn't thin ice. I learned to skate first uh, in the uh, ice skating rink. I played hardball in the parade grounds when it was all lumpy and dumpy. I remember Bishop Ford beating me as I threw a few pitches, and they hit him so far I, I think they I landed I'm on still... the tennis courts. Exactly. <laughs> I, exactly. So I have a lot of fond memories of Prospect Park. But it is, to, in my mind, and I argued with my wife because she, she first moved to Central Park. I said it's more beautiful than Central Park. Well, it's the same designer. Frederick Land Olmsted designed them both. I actually think, you know, and he did too, by the way. He yeah. said that Prospect Park was his greatest work. And the best thing. Yeah. You can barbecue. You can have a picnic. You know, in Central Park, no, no, you can't picnic. You can't barbecue. And I met the uh, old guy who fought for that against Marty Markowitz, who was the borough president before Eric Adams, because they wanted to take uh, the barbecuing away. They wanted to take the picnic tables away because they thought it might attract an element that was not necessarily unique to Park Slope. And the guy said, what are you talking about? So if it attracts people from Windsor Terrace or Flatbush, we welcome them. I love that. I'm telling you today when I was walking through Prospect Park, and I was in flashback mode. I said, without a doubt, this is the most rustic, beautiful park of the many great parks in the city of New York. When I ran for mayor, I wanted an increase uh, to 2% of the budget for parks. People were looking at me. What are you crazy? We got all it. Said, you don't understand. Trees are in the park. Trees make oxygen photosynthesis. Without the trees, we don't breathe. We die. Well, I, I remember what they would always ask on these 
questionnaires where you guarantee at least 1%, so you are going even more. Look, the other thing about Prospect Park that is very different than Central Park is while you can argue the northern tip of Central Park, you have some real diversity. For the most part, it's tourists and white people on the other three sides of Central Park. Yes. Prospect Park is a true kind of center. You've got the progressive, liberal, family. Everyone is issued a stroller the moment they move into Park Slope on one side. You've got Old Line Windsor Terrace on the other side. You've got Prospect Heights Heights on the other side. It really is, depending upon what gate you stand at walking in, and plus the way that the Botanical Gardens is just there and the museum is there, it's just amazing. You know how many of of our workers here, I didn't realize in just sampling, Matt Meany. Our program director, Windsor Terrace. Yeah. There's about four other people here. They live immediately around. A lot of them are hipsters, millennials moving into Crown Heights and Flatbush there, right on the edge. It can get a little rough at times, but they're like pioneers. They're like, they're going in there because the rentals are cheaper than obviously they are in Park Slope. A lot of people were complaining about that. They're being forced out. They just can't afford to pay uh, the rents. Uh, or buy a condo there. I was outside your former boss's uh, brownstone there on Prospect Park West. Right. Chuck Schumer on 7th and 11th. Bill de Blasio has the two uh, houses down the yeah. block. Uh, you were born and raised in the area. On 6th Street, You'd yeah. You'd be surprised at the number of people who have come out of Park Slope. And Park Slope in the 70s was not the safest community. It was, uh, it was rough. Yeah, so Park Slope, when my parents moved there, and I guess it's 1963, they put moved there in 1963, and it was, shortly thereafter, New York Magazine did a story, the most dangerous block in the city was, I think, 13th Street, yeah. right there in the slope. And uh, it was very different, but in a very different kind of, it was a lot of Puerto Rican at the time, a lot of Irish, some Jewish we had, the two synagogues, you know, Garfield Temple and Union Temple, you know, like that's like the sharks and the jets of reformed synagogues. Right. Um, and, yes, it's very different than it, than it, but it has the same. It's one of those things, and Ditmas Park is kind of the same with these rustic, these old houses. Like, you're like, even when it's at the most difficult times in the city, you're looking at this, the trees and the, and the slope that Park Slope is named for. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, what is it, Litchfield Mansion? Is that Litchfield what it's Mansion's right there. Right. So, and Litchfield, by the way. The Litchfield family used to own all of that, all the way down to the water. Can you imagine how much land that they owned? It was a very different community then. It's a beautiful, beautiful part well, of the, the city. The Litchfield Mansion is now where the Parks Department operates. Right, I've right been on, in there. On 3rd Street. Talking yeah. about like 1878, and they maintain the building. You don't feel overwhelmed like you do in Central Park, where you have the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side, right. and so many people flooding in. It really is so gorgeous. My wife was saying, oh, my God, you're like... Is this your Gumada here, Prospect Park? Oh, I got to compete with Prospect Park. I love it. I was walking through Park Slope. I love the brownstones because I remember it when it wasn't that good. And you forget the Italians would come over from Carroll Gardens and they'd be picking on the Jewish guys. So you had all of that, all of that. I said to my wife, you know, this area used to be tough. Yeah, come on, Curtis. I said in the 70s, early 70s. Park Slope was a tough place. And you can imagine, and and it's hard for imagine someone walking through Park Slope now looking for an apartment they can afford to live in. There were abandoned homes on 11, 12, 13th Street. This was not, I think my my folks, you know, say that they got the brownstone they live in for like $40,000. It was, it was that, that kind of, of, of a community. It was beautiful then. It's also indicative of how much the city's changed. It's changed in another way too. I never represented much of the slope because, you know, I took over Chuck Schumer's seat, Chuck's district, it took his his home, ran along Prospect Park West, and then down in Windsor Terrace, and then going south into Brooklyn. And they obviously kept his home in it. As soon as he left, I wasn't able to, to live there, and so they cut that part out of the district. That part of the city is so progressive, I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't stand a chance winning a primary there, you know, in the kind of politics that we had in the rest of the district. Yes. It was like the, yeah. As a matter of fact, when I ran, I think Melinda beat me there, even though I had lived in that area, because she was perceived as being more to the left of me. Um, but it is beautiful, and and it's 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 a sign of what's amazing about the city. Look, we always want property values going up; we never want them going down. But that community is probably not uh, that's probably not a community that I or Jordan could touch nowadays. We have to find some place. When you else. walk through Seventh Avenue, all the mom and pop shops that are there, all the businesses that have been there for fifty, sixty, seventy years. I took uh, Anthony, who accompanied us, and Nancy. 
we went into the old bagel store there. It looked like it was a little hole in the wall. I said, you know how famous this bagel store is? Where? Which one? Uh, it's right near uh, 13th Street. Mm-hmm. Little hole in the wall. Yep. Like uh, original bagel or something like that. And they had the newspaper articles on the wall, you know, from the yeah. Daily News in the right. 1950s, all curled up. And, I mean, mostly Mexican guys there working, but the son of the owner came out and said, oh, yeah, this has been in our family for years. And it was the best bagels with the schmear. I said, I bet you got Bialis here. He said, yeah, we got them right here. That's a real bagel store right. when they got the Bialis. Because when you're down that far, you're not far from the real appetizing stores on 13th and 14th Avenues. Um, like one of my first jobs in high school, I worked at a bagel place further down, like in the other end of the slope at Lincoln and 7th. Um, you were a bagel bender? I did. I did. I, you know, I didn't do the, I didn't do the important stuff, like figure out exactly when to take it out of the boiling water and that kind of stuff, you know, but I would, I, I was there, was doing what I could. They wouldn't let me cut anything. That was a real skilled job. If of you're going to cut locks, that's oh, yeah. a skilled job. But you, you put the schmear on. I did. It did, did that kind of stuff. And then I, I also at the same time was working at an ice cream parlor there, icicle, ice works or something like that, a few blocks away. It's not there anymore as a Mexican restaurant there. And I, I, you got some sign to what kind of a person I would grow up to be when they wanted us all to wear name tags, but without our names, we would be a flavor. So one kid would be vanilla, one uh, kid, and I was strawberry, and I'm like, that's, I refuse to be identified that way. <laughs> I, that's not a pronoun I recognize. What, Daryl Strawberry? Why not? <laughs> I'm not? By the way, there was a bagel joint in Canarsie where I grew up, right on Rockaway Parkway and Avenue K, across from Canarsie High School. Sunday mornings, packed. All the altacachas were there. They were taking out bags, and they made the best by alleys. One morning, two guys come in, two thugs, Italian guys. They hold up the place because it was all cash. There was no credit back there, no nothing. It was cash and carry. They robbed the place. Everybody stood online. They cleared out the tills. They left, and business continued. <laughs> they they were going. making so much money there. Isn't there a, a Bialy specialty place on on Coney Island Avenue and about Avenue S or P? Because I think Bialy, I think it's just it's a Bialy place. Like I think they may have bagels, but they specialize in Bialys. Um, and, uh, by oh the way, yeah, and remember down there at Coney Island Avenue, you have now the Turks, you have the Pakistanis. Right. What a mixture you have there! You're on your way to Brighton Beach. Oh man, it, it's like you close your eyes and you say. Look at all these immigrants. They're but, from all over the but world. But you know what you don't have as much of anymore? Democrats. That's true. That's now become a full-blown Republican stronghold down there. I won that area in the yeah, mayoral election. They think, well, remember, they think I'm Russian. They think I'm Ukrainian right. because Shliva means uh, plum in Polish, Ukrainian, Russian. So I never correct that. Yeah, that's funny. You want to believe I'm Russian? Well, Ukrainian? in 2010, the last time I stood for I actually lost the Brooklyn side of this. It was close, like 50 to 40, 51, 49 to, to Bob Turner. Um, it was, it's been going that way a while, but now it's a full-fledged. Hardcore. And, and, and a lot of it is expat Russians who came as refuseniks. Now they are kids. They, they're law and order. They're conservative. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, uh, so that uh, a lot has changed and we can still get a good Bialy down there. Oh yeah. Oh my God. You always judge your neighborhood by the bagel shop. Good point. And they got to have a good cup of coffee. You see, you can have great bagels, but if you have a lousy coffee, some people say, nah, I need that octane. You know, I, I, I need that cup of coffee. Yeah, but not the kind of like. No, not, not the Starbucks. Not, not the fancy. It's not. The, you're right. It's the jolt. It's the you know. It's the jolt. Now, now you don't like. And we, it's got to be hot, scalding hot. Correct. And you never want to get it there too low in the pot. You know, like you. You always like. Oh, I made you a fresh pot. No, it's just we constantly we're, we're serving so much coffee in these. Man, coffee how many shops. times have you seen an extraordinary diner? And they got all kinds of food. They they come out with the Old right. Testament. You get to choose. <laughs> but they have lousy coffee, and they wonder why nobody comes. Coffee brings people in, especially for breakfast. If you don't have a good coffee, you might as well put, for sale, we're out of business, we're out of here. And some of these guys and gals don't understand that. It's yeah. all in that cup of coffee. Yeah. And, and again, it's, the, it's, the not, it's not the flavor content. It's the octane content that people are looking for. But now, up next, you've got to explain this to me, Anthony. It seems like almost everything has come to a halt Everybody on both sides is saying, wait until after November 8th. Wait, wait, we'll we'll deal with that after November 8th. But really, this is very serious. No, 
It's got to wait until after November 8th. I mean, locally, regionally, nationally, internationally, it's almost as if November 8th has become the magic. Not line. here. You just have to wait till after the break, and we'll answer all your questions. Oh, as we were on that time machine, back to the Slow Park, Slow Prospect Park, Windsor Terrace, Flatbush Crown Heights. It was so good. I want to go back. I think I'm going to go back right after the show. Back in time. Right here at WABC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Talk Radio 77. WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Ooh, Rich is coming up with these great jams. Wow. I thought you were Rich Radabali who used to play disco back in the 70s. This is really good. See, you don't... It is. It is. What is it? Oh, come on, man. You don't know this, Anthony? Oh, back there. Oh, anyway, we're going to be talking about music and not really by the delay that so many of our elected officials trying to run for office or to uh, segue in their party into the midterm elections. They're basically giving the signal... I don't want to deal with it until after November 8th. We start at the top, President Joe Biden telling the Saudis, you want to cut the oil supply to us, why don't you do it after November 8th, after the midterm? Well, you mean wait till your next meeting of OPEC. That's it. I mean, let's not make everything into a thing. He said wait till your next meeting of OPEC. There's no rush to do this. I know, but let's face it. And by the way, why do you believe what the Saudis say is their explanation? Oh, I hate the Saudis, so uh, I'm no friends of the Saudis. All right, what else? What's another example? Kathy Hochul. Uh, Gillibrand, the junior senator, said, hey, we got a lot of space upstate. Why should New York City have to carry the burden? And she proposed early on, said, let's uh, transfer some of the migrants upstate. Hochul said, we'll do that after November 8th. <laughs> oh, wait, I have. Let me and start my, let abortion. Me start. Republicans yeah. with abortion, all of a sudden, they're twisting, they're turning. Not, I'm not really like yeah, that. We'll deal with that after November 8th. Everything's copacetic. But I notice it's almost like... Everything is on delay. Don't take any chances. Don't venture out onto thin ice. Let's just push it off to November 8th because anything you do now, this is when voters are really starting to pay attention, could end up after all your hard work, months and months, raising millions and millions, it could for it could be a debacle for you and your campaign. Yeah, except that's right. I think there's always been this sense in, like, by the way, put in the category of wait for a while, Hochul's unwillingness to have a debate, which I think is outrageous. I'm starting to become a, a one-trick pony just talking about this all the time. But we also know traditionally we're 24 days out. Basically, this goose is kind of cooked. I mean, the, we, we now know about what we're going to know, which is it's very close. It's very unusual that the polls are this close, both in the individual races for Senate. They've all closed up. Fetterman is not pulling away anymore because of his health things. The Georgia race looks like probably is going to be trending Democrat, but that, you know, but Walker did very well last night in the debate, in my opinion. Wisconsin looks like they're publishing to hold on. So we do know a lot of these things, but you're right. Right now, you know, you don't want to do anything to disrupt whatever strategy that they might have. One thing I can tell you is it's clear the Democrats believe a strategy is talk, trying to goad Trump into doing something because Trump getting involved seems to help of course, the Democrats. You know that. Every time um, Trump seizes the headlines, it hurts the Republicans. Right, because, but I will tell you this on the debate thing. Hochul is right. You know, here it is. You have Zeldin saying, oh, we need three debates or I'm not going to debate at all. Let's look at our history here. I remember Pataki would not debate Mario Cuomo. Remember? It was like one debate, debate. Him, one debate alone, right? Right. And, and Mario said all the independent parties. He did what Andrew always said. All the third parties have to participate. Pataki said no. What I think turned the tide for Pataki is 
he had that one-on-one interview with Channel 2 with the dean of the broadcasters there. I'm forgetting her name momentarily. Marsha Kramer. Marsha Kramer, mm-hmm. right. And that he did very well with that. But if you remember, he didn't debate. Yeah, he wouldn't now, debate, Mario. By the way, the, the Hochul Pataki analogy is a very good one because both of them were not very well known. And both of them benefited by being kind of a blank slate. Pataki benefited because people were exhausted with Cuomo yes. and just so it would have been anyone but. And Hochul is kind of benefiting be just being a Democrat, anyone with a D next to their name in New York. And so it's a very similar thing. I'm not saying that this is not a thing that candidates do and that they've done for a long time. I'm, it doesn't, I don't care if it happens once or it happens a hundred times. I think it's pretty, I think it's outrageous. Well, as look, a she said, I'll have one debate on New York One, which then gets spread to all of the networks, parts of it. Uh, Zeldin said, no, it's got to be three or none. So I think that's a mistake. Well, he hasn't said no. He is saying my counterproposal is five, but it, he'll cave. And running out like, of time. Yeah, that's true. Look, he's running out of time. Uh, your former boss, Chuck Schumer, is going to have one debate against Pinion. I don't know about the attorney general race. I haven't heard anything whether it will be a debate. I know the controllers are having a, a debate, the Republican and Democrat, next week. Again, on New York One. I think it would be a major mistake for Zeldin not to debate Hochul. Uh, look, I heard him being interviewed last week with Sid, and he said he didn't say well, – he didn't ask Dre, and Sid did a good job. He asked him directly, are you going to do it? And he didn't say no. He says my counteroffer is five all around the state. I think he'll wind up doing it. But you don't want to wait so long. Look, there's not a lot of elasticity in the polls at this point. People – you know, you say people are just starting to pay attention. If you look at the undecideds, it's in the single digits now. Right. But for the independents, the unaffiliated, which oftentimes will determine for a Republican the race, he can't win the Democratic vote, Zeldin. Uh, there aren't enough Republicans. The second largest uh, number of registered voters in New York State, like it is in many states around the country now, are the unaffiliated, the independents. Right. Now, they're breaking for Zeldin, but well, we don't, I, I don't think you could be that. Uh, you can't rest assured because unlike Pataki, remember, Pataki was pro-choice. Zeldin is pro-life. Now, he just did an ad that said, look, if I become governor, I can't change the law, and I'm not going to change the law. I don't know if that is swaying you. He he did a bit. Look, one of the things I did on the middle today was I took a look at the two most popular. The morning consult does a survey every year, the most popular governors. And the polls show that the most popular governors in America, you want to guess who they are? Yes, I heard your program, so yes. I'm cheating. Vermont, okay. the Republican, yeah. and Hogan in Maryland, right. the and, Republican. And, and again, it was because they took your political acumen yes. and put it to play. They said, listen, I'm going to shave the sharp edges off of my Republican stuff. And, and they're they never Trumpers. They're never Trumpers. Right, but even that, they're just saying I'm against them, and I, you know, they're taking the issue away from the Democrat and say argue with me about, about the economy. Right, policy. You know, and right now, if you're Republican and you're talking about crime and you're talking about the economy, you're doing okay. Absolutely. And, the, and if you look at Hochul's ads, it's about Trump. It's about January 6th. It's about abortion. She's no dummy. She knows what hurts him. And, and obviously, Zeldin has the well, same, the same everybody problem. Everybody is focused in typical fashion. You know this, Anthony. Downstate, downstate. You know, Nassau, Suffolk, the city. Yeah, you got to get at least 33% of the city vote. He has to do better than I did in the mayoral election in order Unlikely. to win. Unlikely. Unlikely. Now, nobody talks about Buffalo and Erie County. That's 15% of the vote. She's the hometown girl. Now, if he can negate her in Erie County, then we got a real contest. But everybody always throws that out. I guess so. It's not an area of significance. It is. But traditionally, though, if you're a Democrat, you can almost lose everything north of Westchester and still have enough votes to drag yourself over the line. Now, it gets really close that way. You're right. you got to find the votes wherever, wherever you can. And... Traditionally, Republicans don't get their candidates from Nassau and Suffolk. Zeldin was making this play that, look, I'm going to be able to, because yes. my name recognition, because of the vote, I, you know, will eat into Northeast Queens and get a little of those. So he's trying something a little bit different. But what you said is right. You have to be able to get enough moderate Democrats, and not a lot, but moderate Democrats and a fair number of moder- of the independents. If you're an independent by definition, you're probably not going to be too hard left or hard right. And those are people that are hard now, to get. But, right now, but, but, but the numbers aren't out there right now to swing much more. It's only a handful of undecided citizens. Remember, still there. 2018, right after the presidential election that Trump won against uh, Hillary unexpectedly, it was such an anti Trump surge right. that Andrew Cuomo got 8 
million votes. No gubernatorial candidate has ever gotten 8 million votes. He was running against Molinaro. Not necessarily the strongest candidate in the world. I think he got like 6 million votes. A lot of people came out to vote for Andrew Cuomo because they hated Trump. They wanted to show that. Now, are you going to get the dormant Democrats and the dormant Republicans and the dormant independents to come out? I think Zeldin's only real hope is he's got to hope that a lot of Democrats just stay home and don't vote because off year elections, sometimes they don't. But this is the midterm election, well, so you're going to have else. a bit of a surge. This is what the January 6th hearings are about. The January 6th hearings are about driving up this concern about the future of our democracy among the left and among in, 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 you know, non-affiliated voters. I kind of make it like that's on the ballot. <clears throat> Trump. Being in the newspapers every day is keeping everything a Trump election. And I don't think Republicans probably – they probably quietly would tell you, yes, they don't like that. Oh, absolutely. You've heard Peter King say he's got to right. stay quiet. Right. And the third piece of it is obviously this Roe v. Wade decision, which at the time we weren't sure how it was going to shake out. Now we have some – now has it been – has it faded a little bit? I don't really know. But you've seen states like Kansas and Michigan where it's clearly having an impact – so I think we may see this year as a midterm a midterm election is remarkably high in turnout. It's certainly showing signs that it is different than other years and just how close it is. When you and I sat down in March, if we had a handicap and I wrote a number on a piece of paper, you wrote a number, it would have been both been yeah. double double digits for for, for uh, in terms but of I tell percent. You, the person who really hurt the Republican cause was Clarence Thomas, U.S. Supreme Court Justice. After the repeal of Roe v. Wade, he says. Well, you know, maybe next next will be gay marriage and next will be marital contraceptives. Condoms? Yeah. Meantime, no no mention of interracial marriage. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> that one he didn't touch. Shut your mouth, Clarence Thomas. Shut your mouth. What, are you out of your mind? No, this put, this really, you know, it's kind of like be careful what you wish for. I think a lot of Republicans, when you say, all right, let's send it back to the states. Wait a minute, we have elections in those states. Don't send it back to the states. We don't want people coming out and voting on abortion in the middle of all this. And there's one other element of politics that you understand, and I think a lot of our listeners too. When you're the out party, you're much more animated yes. because you feel like you've been, you know, whatever it is, you've lost something. This year, who the heck even knows who considers themselves the out because the Supreme Court is putting their finger on, on the scale so now a lot of Democrats are walking the street like, you know, we've got to get back control of government. Dude, you got Chuck Schumer and Nancy well, Pelosi. That's what we have to discuss up next. The debate in Georgia, surprising the strategy of Herschel Walker because he mentioned Biden's name more than Warnock. I mean, you would have thought that he was debating Joe Biden on that stage. And then, obviously, we got Fetterman coming up with odds, and we have whether Hochul is going to debate uh, Zeldin or not. But those are really the three big races on the radar screen, at least for us here at WABC, featuring Anthony Weiner on the left, yours truly on the right. Give me a little bit of a historical analysis of New York State elections. And if you notice, Anthony, I haven't heard from many other commentators that Andrew Cuomo got 8 million votes in 2018, more votes than any gubernatorial candidate. And guess who he's on with tomorrow as he's launching his comeback? Sydney Adams at 1 o'clock Sunday, and I'll be cutting it up between 3 and 5 <laughs> and critiquing it exclusively here on WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Oh, these jams are so good, Rich. Are you sure you didn't go into uh, Rich Radabali's collection of vinyl? You know, he used to be a DJ, Rich Radabali, all through the 70s and 80s. He's back. Rich is back to scratching now. He's like, he's getting in there. This is really good. Wow. It's putting a smile on my face. Wiki, wiki, wiki. I'm watching the debate bits of it. I didn't see the whole thing last night in Georgia. Yeah. Warnock versus Herschel. I thought right away, just the visual, I said, man, Herschel's looking good. Man, he's like vibrant. Warnock, the eyes were just too big. It was like too much for me. His eyes were too big. Skilled orator, obviously a reverend of great uh, renown. But Herschel, every second word was Biden, Biden, Biden. It's almost like Warnock wasn't even on the stage. Yeah, but I, I, I think Herschel won the debate because he had a lower bar to clear. 
because he's had a lot of gaffes on the campaign show. Did you see the badge thing? Yes. That was bizarre. Flip the badge. And it turns out it's a fake badge. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> it's one Adam 12. You know, it's, I don't, uh, I don't but, the, but it's, you know, again, if you look at the numbers, the elasticity in polls in Georgia is probably less than any other state. They, they have far fewer than any other state number of independent, unaffiliated voters. They're yes. a very partisan state. So I think that it would be amazing. Now, remember, there's a third-party candidate in there. I don't think it's going to get that close, but there is a chance that Georgia, once again, will, will decide – like they'd be the tipping point state. I thought I thought Herschel did relatively well in that he remained upright the entire time. He had a couple of answers I didn't quite understand, but I think he did a pretty good job. And you're right. Every third answer was, you don't work for us. You and Joe Biden, you and Joe Biden voted for Joe Biden 96% of the time. So I thought he did he did relatively well. It does see his answer on abortion was not quite clear to me what he was saying because he's had a, a few different positions on it but i think overall he did he did pretty well it wasn't it wasn't a loser for him um i think the fetterman the fetterman debate and for our listeners who haven't been paying attention fetterman had a stroke just before the primary was off the campaign trail for a while now he's back and because of the effects of the stroke he has trouble understanding the spoken word can understand the written word pretty well and so he's going to have like a monitor like a teleprompter almost on the stage, and he did an interview this week to kind of so we wouldn't be shocked when we saw this in the debate, um, and caused some controversy because the reporter who did the interview said that when they were just making small talk, Fetterman seemed not to understand what he was saying. Which yeah. so, I think that the Republicans have to be careful they don't overplay that card, uh, and so like, don't vote for him because he's he's disabled. Because I think there's a lot of voters who have senior have people that have had strokes, that have people with disabilities. I think it's a dangerous place to, place to go. But that race has tightened up a lot. Oz was trailing in double digits only a month ago, and now it's it's within the margin of error. Well, remember, the whole focus of the campaign originally is Oz is a carpetbagger. He's from New right. Jersey. He's not one of us. He's not from the Keystone State. And he truly was. I mean, boy, he would say some things. You would say, hey, guy, remember, you're in Pennsylvania. That ain't New Jersey in any way, shape, or form. You go to Pennsylvania, it's like you're in Ohio. You're in Michigan. Yeah. That's the heartland of America, what especially do they say? Central, central Pennsylvania, western Pennsylvania. What's the expression they say? It's Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Alabama in the middle. Like that's, that's right. Basically- so he had this story. You know, he was the mayor of Braddock right outside of Fetterman. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh, right. right, and he did a number of things. Uh, it, it wasn't really much he could do for Braddock and a number of those towns that were dependent on the steel mills. Uh, but he got a lot of notoriety from it. The hoodie definitely has resonated with people. It's like a sign of resistance. It's almost like an fu in Pennsylvania. They like the little guy. They love the little guy because Is a he lot gonna of wear the hoodie in the debate. I think he would. I think he, I, if I were him, I would. Yeah, you got. I would tell you, you got to wear. You got to be committed to the bit. That's right, because you are uh, the working class guy. That's what you Tattoos, got you the whole thing. Where yeah. the, where you are now, you can't abandon that. I think you're. right. You can't all of a sudden put the suit and tie on because odds got you on that. You, you can't compete, and you've got a handicap. And I notice in the ad, he's got an ad down with his wife, right. defending that. I think that is their, their only uh, easy pass towards victory is you're beating us up. There are a lot of people, as you said, who have the same condition. It's the older people who vote, 55-plus who vote, and a lot of them are suffering like the first elements of a little dementia, Alzheimer. Right. They maybe had a stroke. They know that they're beginning the aging process. They look at this guy. They compare him to what he was before and what he is now. I think uh, Oz uh, is not a beloved candidate. I, I don't find any love for Oz. I think they look at him like a, a fake candidate, a fugazi candidate, a TV candidate. But with so many problems that Fetterman has, I think it's like I'd love to sit at the kitchen table discussions on this one. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, a lot of it is a I mean, something to keep in mind is that, like, a lot of folks who listen to our show, a lot of folks who listen to 77 – we're like very steeped in politics. Like we know all of these figures. We know the polling. We're interested in this stuff. For a lot of voters, when they tune into a debate, they're they're sometimes they're casual voters. And I, I, I found I am finding that I that my read on Fetterman after this story is a fairly sympathetic one. Like when they made fun of him for for screwing up a couple of words. Yeah. When, 
I just don't think I don't think that's uh, in fact, Oz, when he's recently been interviewed about this, kind of pushed back against his staff who is kind of doing these kind of taking runs at Fetterman for his health. I think it's the kind of thing there are very often issues that your best tact as a candidate is just let the other candidate get, get the attention on it. You'll notice that in Georgia, uh, Warnock has not been talking about abortion, no. about about uh, Walker's problems. Well, also, he's had his own Gumata situation. So, <laughs> you know, a very divisive situation with his wife. It required the police to come. So that's a third rail for him. And he's wise not to bring that up. He's irreverent. Yeah. He, you know, I mean, he's got to he's got to try to stay above the fray. I mean, the, the interesting the interesting one, a couple of interesting races out there. Obviously, Wisconsin is very interesting because Johnson Hard right guy, oh, totally completely right. in, completely in on the, the the election stolen kind of thing, and he's getting and he the candidate that the the Democrats rallied around and cleared the field for this guy named Mandela Barnes. He is a black guy who is fairly le- you know fairly left to the spectrum, and well Johnson seems to be pulling away. But there's also like some weird races like in Utah, which is always a very strange state. You know, the, the Utah Senate race, there's an, not a Democrat, but an independent who is this guy McMullen who is taking, who is making it very interesting in Utah. And the, and the Democrats are now at the point where they're, to, you know, saying, let's not, don't vote for the Democrat, vote for the independent guy because we have no chance of winning for I our think, candidate. I think a lot of these candidates looked at the debate in Arizona between the guy who was the astronaut, the incumbent, Kelly. the Democrat, and the Republican. And the Republican handled the question of Im- abortion well. It wasn't. It didn't trigger off a firestorm of uh, of negative feedback. I think a lot of the Republicans have looked at that. I think Zeldin's ad is a result of that debate. Yeah, Zeldin's think... ad of saying, "Look, I, when I'm the governor, I can't do anything about abortion anyway. It's it's the state law. I'm not even going to try to touch it." But I think it was all as a result of that debate in Arizona, in which the Republican did quite well. Against the astronaut. Yeah, but it's Blake Masters is a Republican. Mark Kelly is the is the Democrat. It might be too much for them to 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 close up because Kelly had a had a debate. But it, it's not so much that they watch the debate; is that the entire Republican Party has been trying to figure out how to neutralize this issue ever since it came out. And you saw that race we had in New York, I guess sixteen, where basically a toss up district in a district that Biden had won by like two points was trending uh, Republican, and then. The, the, this comes out, and the, can, the Democrat up there just talked about nothing but abortion and beat Molinaro, who, ironically, they're both going to wind up going to Congress because of the redistricting. I think it's what happened is these guys all realized they, you know, what happens when you chase the bus and you catch it. They got what they wanted on choice, and, and what it was was say, essentially the court saying, you guys in the states figure this out, and now every candidate in the country realizes they have this, every Republican realizes they have this unpopular thing to, to have to handle. But Masters handled it well. I even think that if Zeldin took a similar tone to that ad from the from the jump, he would have been much better served. As now, soon as he won the primary, he should have said that. It, it might have started to resonate. I think now it's if I'm I'm, I'm looking at it, see what bothered me about the ad is okay. I know he's pro life, no doubt about it. Right. But then they come in and in cases against rape and incest. Ooh, even I'm like, hey, I, I'm supporting Zeldin the whole way, but ooh. Right. No, I think I think you're right. I think that there is something resembling a middle road on how you parse this once it becomes a state law kind of issue. <laughs> but for Zeldin not to have the common sense to realize the moment he started thinking about becoming governor is the point you start to put the hot rhetoric about choice in, in back in your pocket. And and I don't know this the answer to this. Maybe you do. It might disqualify well, you in today's Republican Party. You, remember, you, he didn't get an independent line because they uh, had fake signatures. They, they desperately needed an independent line. That would have been a big advantage. So they have a conservative line. That's their independent line. Conservatives are all, all pro-life. Right. No, it's tough. So he's got that. He can't upset the conservatives because they've been there with him since day one, and they are hardcore. There is no – remember – Conservatives did not support Rudy Giuliani for mayor. Mike Long said, no, you are pro-life. Excuse me, you are pro-choice. We are pro-life. And they put up 1% Marlin, remember? 1% Marlin. Got 1% of the vote the second time around. As a result of that, Rudy almost didn't become mayor. If it had been 2%, that would have been it. Rudy wouldn't have been mayor. No, I I think that, I mean, I don't, (coughs) forgive me, I don't know the answer to the question. In today's Republican Party, can you do what Pataki successfully did 
back when he Yes, he can. I mean, now it's a much more democratic state than it was when protected. But if I was building out I had a whiteboard of my issues and I'm saying I want to be a Republican governor of this state, what what model would I follow? I would not vote against these. I would not vote to decertify the election. I would quietly sit as I could as quietly as I could about Trump. I would quietly be pro be pro-life, but I would say I don't believe this is the role of government. I'm a conservative, that kind of thing. And that would be the three legs of the stool of like getting out of the way of the fervor. right now. all of Hochul's ads are the same thing is what Jeldon needs. This would be a miracle. Just imagine downstate, upstate. This would mirror what happened with uh, George Pataki and Mario Cuomo. When Mike Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, jumped over to support Mario Cuomo, that brought out the unprecedented turnout of Republicans. They were so angry at uh, Rudy Giuliani. Remember, there was more Republicans who came out. Right. Just imagine, hypothetically, imagine you're in a drug-induced psychosis, that uh, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, simultaneously with Stefanik, upstate New York, cross over the line and endorse Kathy Hochul by saying, hey, she's a woman just like us. Female power. Zeldin would have to hope for that because that would bring out an unprecedented republic. It's not going to happen. So I don't see anything between now and the vote other than turnout. It all, it's all going to well, get down to turnout. Here's what, it, what could do the trick. If you and I both endorsed Hochul, the number of Democrats that hate both of us. Yes. That will say, if they're with Hochul, I'm with whoever's on the other side. And they'd go look up who is on the other side. If I did that, I would have to move to New Jersey, where the Republicans oftentimes have me speak to them more often than the Republicans in New York State. (laughs) I would have to cross the Hudson. What is your prediction? I mean, we we probably have another couple of weeks before we get to our final prediction. But I I think it's going to be double digits for Hochul, probably 15 points for Hochul, right? Mm, I don't think so. I think it's tightening up now. It'll be very, very, very interesting. And if this wave of crime continues, this is a lot of violent crime. And it's affecting areas that never before had crime. Surely, right? Uh, Poughkeepsie, that that hotel, that courtyard Marriott, uh, family week at Maris. Buffalo, where the woman was attacked in the domestic situation. She's wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah. And the guy was out. Well, loose. you just described Park Slope. Let's remember how Rudy Giuliani got elected the first time. It was Upper West Side progressive, you know, quietly going into the booth and voting against David Dinkins. Yes. You know, because it mean, was so disappointing. It, well, also because crime had become a thing. You know, the Church Avenue boycotts and these different things. And like, you know, remember Dinkins benefited from a tremendous African American turnout the first time. First African American man. Not as many voted the second time especially the outer boroughs, because he really wasn't an outer borough mayor. You know, he was pretty much a Manhattan mayor. And then Queens, when there was the uh, the Queens, uh, Forest Hills, uh, uh, I hate I hate the U.S. Open. I, even saying it, it, it makes me want to projectile vomit. But anyway, speaking of sports up next, why the hell would Yankee fans be booing Aaron yeah, Judge? That's funny. That's a death wish. Yeah. Yankee fans, are you crazy? The guy's in a little bit of a slump. Two games. You're booing him in the seventh inning at Yankee Stadium. You you got to try to figure this one uh, out. Yeah, but if, if, don't tell me Judge is the best ever if he can't hit a lick in the playoffs, though. No, no, I understand. We know they've been but Winfield, yeah, David him. Winfield, same thing. I mean, we could go on and on, all the yeah. people who uh, bailed out in the playoffs. But you boo Aaron Judge in the crazy. seventh inning? Crazy. Are you crazy? The guy is not even signed up for next year. San Francisco, the Giants are whispering in his ear. Come home. Come we, home, Aaron Jones. We don't boo. We You're don't a Cali boo. boy. You're a Bay Area boy. We love you. Let's sweeten you up with West Coast money. Right here on WABC, your place to be. Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. He's a bad mother. Watch your mouth. Is that Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan? Oh, no. yep. Although I will tell you this, uh, Anthony Weiner, I put out a petition begging, beseeching the mayor not to show up at Yankee Stadium 
not to weigh in as he did. Oh, they're going to sweep their way into the World Series like he did for your beloved Mets. They crashed and burned against San Diego. Please, Eric, don't weigh in on Yankee baseball. We got enough problems now going into Game 3, Cleveland. And 7th inning, Game 2, Aaron Judge is up. All right. He's striking out. He's having a tough time at the plate. And the chorus of boos start in the upper deck, down to the loge, down to the box seats. You didn't hear any clapping. They were booing. I, well, I don't know if it's a whole place, though, but it was it was a bad look. You know, what happens at playoff time is people get to get to see... Get to see what other fans are like. What you know, we don't get to see what's going on in Cleveland. That's Philly fans do that, right? It plays into everything that people think about New York fans. Like honestly, and the other, I mean, look, I'm a Met fan. I hope the guy stays. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Cohen doesn't make things complicated for Steinbrenner by by making a bid. I mean, the guy, you know, you got to figure. Given the offer that was on the table, if the guy really loved New York, he would have taken the offer, right? So he's putting out – this is not a good look. For, it's not a good look. You know, booing the guy. Sure, he struck out four times, but booing the guy is not a great Did look. Did they boo Joe DiMaggio, who also was a Bay Area guy? Remember, Joe DiMaggio loved the Bay Area. But they did boo Maris, if I recall. Yeah, but they hated Maris because, because they Mantle. wanted Mantle. But then, remember, they booed Mantle because they loved DiMaggio. <laughs> but there's nobody else here. It's not like Stanton. We love you, Stanton. Oh, we hate you. The guy, you boo him in the seventh inning? I tell you what we're learning is that Yankee team is wafer thin. They are wafer thin. No relief pitching. If and if and if Stanton and Judge are not are not hitting lights out, you get Rizzo every once in a while. I mean And look, look, he is a Bay Area boy. He loves the East Bay. He grew up in California. He's the ultimate California guy, like Stanton. Don't tell me half of his heart isn't in San Francisco, like Tony Bennett said. He looks at that park, San Francisco Giants. You know how many baseballs he'd be hitting into San Francisco Bay and earning as much as he could here in New York. And everybody loves to go back to their hometown. Everybody loves to go. Why would you boo I a guy who is not signed up? Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it, and uh, I don't think he deserves it. I will say this, though. You, if you are going to be... The guy that extends to the playoffs. You get, you got to do it in the playoffs. Too. But, you know, the other thing people don't, don't realize that the difference, well, people do realize, difference to play, you know, pitchers get to see hitters, hitters get to see pitchers. Cleveland is a very deep, they have a very deep bullpen. They're, they're going to show a lot, they're going to show a lot of pitchers. But don't boo the guy, for God's sakes. Man. If you got to boo someone, boo me. And now we're going to have these little mites attacking the Yankees on the mound as they did originally. Oh, man, I'm not feeling good about this. Eric Adams, shut up!